This is the St. Longinus's Baptism Podcast Channel. This is True Catholic Devotions for February 19, 2022. Now, for those of you who are particularly observant, you will notice that the date on this particular podcast is for the 20th. Um, the reason I'm backdating this was I had intention I had intended on doing this podcast yesterday, but I had forgotten to. And so um, I wanted to do this particular devotion. And so I'm just backdating um, this podcast to yesterday. But first a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to your service and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. Now, today's devotion is from The Imitation of Christ. It's going to be from Book 3, Passage 48. O most happy mansion of the city above, O most bright day of eternity, and no night darken, but the highest truth ever enlighten a day, always joyful, always secure, and never changing its state for the contrary. Oh, this day would shine upon us, and all those temporal things would come to an end. Oh, when shall there be an end of these evils? When, O oh Lord, shall I be so happy as to think of you alone? When shall I to the full when shall I to sorry guys when shall I fully rejoice in you? When shall I enjoy solid peace, never to be disturbed and always secure, a peace both within and without, a peace every way firm. O oh, good Jesus, when I stand to behold you, when shall I stand to behold you? When shall I contemplate the glory of your kingdom? I am left a poor exile in the enemy's country, where there are wars every day and very great misfortunes. Blessed is the man for you, O oh Lord, leaves all things created, who offers violence to his nature, and that he may be, be made worthy to admit it among the choirs of the angels to praise you in their company. I apologize for the mistakes. The imitation in Christ is written... Um, in 16th century English, even though it was written, if I'm not mistaken, in the 14th century. Um, I don't trust the modern translations. Usually in the modern translations, the translators try to, uh, to downplay the Catholic images about this book. And so... I have to basically on the fly as best as I can try to modernize the language so that it's better understood. Um, 
And by the way, this is a Catholic book. For those of you who are Protestant or Neo-Catholic, this is a true Catholic book. The author was part of either a monastery or a lay brotherhood that took poverty's, or I'm sorry, that took vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. So, you know, like I said, it was written in the 14th century. So this was before Martin Luther and all the rest of the, uh, all the enemies of truth unleashed their heresies on the world. In particular, the heresies all led to modernism. But I digress. Basically, um, in these passages, um, when he talks about, oh, happy mansion of the city above, he's basically talking about heaven. When he says the bright day of eternity, he's referring to that heaven is brighter than a thousand suns. There is no darkness, which leads into his second part where he says no night darkens. Yes, he's uh, heaven never darkens. And he talks about, he says, but the highest truth ever enlightens. Basically, God is the highest truth. So the light of heaven is coming from God himself, who is the ultimate truth. Um, he talks about a day always joyful and secure and never uh, changing its state for the contrary. What he's saying there is because those who are, who are particularly blessed to get to heaven they're going to those who get to heaven are going to be in full communion with the heavenly father therefore things like depression sadness anger envy that's going to be gone because you're going literally going to be in the presence of god who is all love he's all love and so you're going to be that you can't imagine the happiness that you're going to be if you're blessed enough to get into God's presence. And it's always secure because basically, as I've said in previous episodes, the time we spend on earth is basically a proving ground or a training ground for us to ready ourselves to get to heaven. And of course, because we're on earth, and earth is tainted by original sin, and we're tainted by original sin, we have to go through the trials and tribulations that come with being on earth. And while we're here on earth, we are not secure in our salvation until we surrender to divine providence. And it's saying, when he says, oh, this day would shine upon us and all those temporal things would go to the end. Basically, what he's, what he's saying here is, I want to get to heaven. Heaven is my ultimate goal. And temporal is basically a fancy Catholic world that, men, that means the secular world that we're living in right now. He's, he, he wants to get to heaven and he wants his time on earth to end. 
because anyone who's remotely had issues on earth knows how miserable our time on earth can be. And he's saying, I want to leave this behind and I want to get to my my actual goal of heaven. Oh, when will there be an end to these evils? Basically, right there, he's talking about the evils that occur on earth. When, O oh Lord, shall I be so happy as to think of you alone? Now, as, as, as flawed and in, in, um, damaged human beings... Even when we're trying for piety and devotion to the Heavenly Father, you know, and especially so, actually, when you really start pushing for these things, that's when, when you try to pray, when you try to do things for God, that the devil and your flesh fight you tooth and nail. Just, you know, you'll be in the middle of a prayer and you'll get distracted by a thought. Or you'll be trying to do something for the heavenly kingdom and something completely out of left field happens that either derails you or detracts from what you're trying to do. When shall I, uh, when shall I rejoice in you? Basically, you know, um, he's asking God, he's saying, when when can I go to heaven and be in your presence? Um, I think the question's kind of rhetorical in the two senses. Number one, because of divine providence, we don't know when we, you know, when or if we're going to get to heaven. And so we don't know when we're going to die. That's why it's important while we're here on earth to try to get ourselves in a state of getting to heaven. And then, like I said earlier, because, you know, we're human beings, we don't know, you know, we don't know the answers to these. When shall I joy a solid peace, never to be disturbed and always secure, a peace both within and without, a peace every way firm? Basically, um, when he says within and without, he's talking about inside and no attacks from the outside. And um, basically, uh, when he says a a peace every way firm. He's talking about heaven, which we covered in the first paragraph. Like I said, I think this is basically a rhetorical question. He already knows the answers to these things. So the reason I say it's rhetorical is, is he covered it in the first paragraph. If you want that peace, if you want that joy, if you want to, to bask in, like I said, St. Paul says this in one of his epistles, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because let's be honest, while we're here on earth, we'll never know true joy. We will never know true peace. Now, we'll have periods in our life where things will go well. 
But and even to those of you who, you know, um, you have a beautiful spouse, you have a good job, you have kids that bring you joy, um, you're making a decent salary, you don't go hungry, um, your job is secure. He, he, he's basically saying, even if these are your circumstances, when you get to heaven, that, that peace, joy, and security that you have here on earth is nothing, absolutely nothing compared to what you will feel when you're within God's presence. Oh, good Jesus, when shall I stand to behold you? When shall I contemplate the glory of your kingdom? Once again, it's a rhetorical question. He, he covered it in the first the first paragraph, basically he's saying, if you're able to get to heaven, that's when you'll be able to see God face to face. Now, for those of you who are unaware, if you have any stain of sin in you whatsoever, which is why the Catholics have the doctrine of purgatory, you would die because God is holiness and goodness in in and of itself. And you can't face God in a sinful state. It's just not possible. Sorry, Protestants, saying your little prayer ain't going to save you. Because unless you're, unless you're doing the doctrine that he set down, when you die, you are still going to be in your sins and you're not going to be into heaven. And if you faced him face to face, if you had even the tiniest sin, The tiniest sin, let's just say inside your head, you said a curse word. You you would be turned to ashes and dust if you were to face him face to face. So it's kind of a rhetorical question. And when I say rhetorical, not that it's not true, but he's 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 basing basically saying that. If you want to get to heaven and and see Jesus face to face, you got to get your spiritual life in order and you've actually got to try to be pious and devout toward him. Bottom line. Then he says, I'm left a poor exile in the enemy's country where there are wars every day and great misfortunes. I'd love this paragraph. I really do. We are exiles. At least... Um, that is the Catholic doctrine. Now, I know to some Protestants and maybe to some of the more hardcore Vatican II people, this may come, um, that I, I, having been both, I know there are certain, um, certain clergy that say, oh, yeah, well, um, you know, you're meant, you're meant to enjoy life on earth and then you're going to get to heaven and you're going to have you're you're going to you're you're going to be in the presence of God and you're going to be happy that's incorrect we are exiles on earth this is not our this is not our um, where we're supposed to find our happiness to put put it bluntly we're supposed to f- find our happiness is is in heaven 
And when he says there are wars every day, he's just not talking about the secular wars between armies. He's not talking about the secular fights that happen between individuals and groups. He's also talking about your spiritual wars, the wars against demons and the devil, the wars against your own um, impure, fallen nature. You have, as, as I've stated in the previous episodes, you got two types of wars. The wars that are here, you know, um, the, the, the secular wars, which are, you know, you can see. And then you have the spiritual wars, which are unseen. And then he says, very great misfortunes. And basically, um, as I said earlier, if you're trying to be pious and devout, do you think your enemy, and I'm talking about your spiritual enemies, the devil and his minions and your, your fallen flesh are going to allow you to worship God in spirit and truth. And, you know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna be this, you know, uh, very happy every day until you die. No, 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 you're not. And I, I don't care what your, what your, uh, uh, how should I say it? Your um, your spiritual. Uh, I'm sorry, not spiritual life. What your um, secular life is. Even those who are well off, who try to be pious and devout, they're going to come to trials and tribulations if they're truly trying to be pious and devout. And on a quick note, that's what the Book of Job is all about. If you read the book of Job, he was basically a very blessed and very well-off person. And basically the devil goes to God and says, hey, I bet you if you take away your protection from him, I can get you to curse him. And then the last paragraph, blessed is the man for you, O Lord, who leaves all things created and offers violence to his nature. Basically, he says that there is a that the man who basically leaves his his fallen, impure nature behind, who, um, who leaves behind the things of the earth, you know, the hobbies, the distractions, you know, the things that he used to do to pass the time because he didn't know. How else to pass his time? He was looking for the joy here on earth that he should have been looking for God in heaven and offers violence to his nature. Basically, because this is a Catholic offer, he's talking about penances, mortifications of the flesh. And basically what a mortification of the flesh is, for those who don't know, is basically uh, fastings, um little acts of, you know, instead of taking a hot shower, you take a cold shower. Um, if you have a pain, a particular pain, that's not too serious. You just, you just keep that pain and you thank God for helping, uh, for giving you that pain because it's helping you to get closer to him. And then basically he's saying, 
that um, if you do these things, then you will be admitted into heaven with choirs of angels to um, to praise God in their in their company. Just think of some of the most beautiful choral music you've ever heard and multiply that by a million, and that's the choirs of angels. By the way, the choral, uh, the choral music is my intro and outro music. Imagine a million times better than that, hearing that. So that's the devotion for yesterday. And I repeat myself because the the last part of my episodes is the one part where I don't mind repeating myself. You didn't have to listen. You didn't have to listen to this whole thing. And I appreciate that you do. You didn't have to come to this podcast. I appreciate that you gave us a chance or gave me a chance. Um... I truly and sincerely pray and hope that I am being the instrument of the Holy Ghost that I'm supposed to be and that he is using me to either touch you in whatever way you need or that you at least get some food for thought. And, um, I do love you guys. Um, and, 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 you know, and I, I'm a fallen human being just like you guys are. Um, so I have my flaws and my drawbacks just like everyone else does. But my own imperfect way, I do love you and I care about you. And when I say love, I'm not talking about the, the secular love that everyone thinks is love. I'm talking about a, what the Catholic Church calls charity which is perfect love. And for those of you who are a little more intellectual, the Greeks had a term for this kind of love. They called it agape. That's perfect love. And that's the kind of love I try to love you guys with. I'm praying for you. I pray for everyone. God bless you. And I mean it. Have a good day. Bye-bye.